Well, we've been studying 1 Peter chapter 3, and we come down to this verse, which all of you wonderful women shall love. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that is your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So those of you who were here last week got to hear a sermon directed towards wives. If you are a lady and you weren't here, just ask somebody. They took notes. It'll be online eventually and you can listen there. I wouldn't recommend a nap today like I did for the husbands last week, because you'll benefit by remembering and maybe occasionally reminding your husband of the things that the Lord has written. Now, it has been asked uh, why the wives get six verses and the husbands only get one. And some husband may say, well, it's because the Lord knew the wives needed more instruction. Uh, But I think the right answer is simply that the Lord knows that men don't read the instructions. So he gives us as little as possible, a little chunk, and we're going to cram all we can because every phrase in this verse is packed. And I want to simply remind you of this, and you know this, that God's expectations for marriage, God's design for how he wants the home to operate is not rooted simply in a first century mindset. This did not come out of first century Christianity. This, these thoughts were not original to Peter and to Paul. But the design that God has for marriage is rooted all the way back in creation. God made us to live within this wonderful covenant of marriage. That men should love their wives and that the wives should honor and respect their husbands and Here is where we are in 1 Peter. Peter is teaching the church how to conduct themselves honorably among unbelievers so that when unbelievers look at the lives of these professing Christians, that they will glorify God for the change that God has brought in their life. Now, I will say this, some assumptions that are made Uh, in this passage and are rooted in creation is simply this. There are um, two genders. There are male and female. God created us in his image, and nobody really will deny that. But this very same verse in Genesis that says, in the image of God, he created them, is followed up with the words, male and female, he created them. So there are two and there are only two. The other assumption is this, is that marriage is between people of opposite gender. That marriage is to be between one man and one woman and that union is to last until death. The third assumption that's made here is that the standard is marriage. Um, That's a step that often gets skipped in, in our own day. That's not new to the 21st century, but it certainly is prevalent That God's intention is that those who would live in this kind of relationship would join themselves before God and witnesses as married. But all of these commands that are given by Paul and to Peter boil down to these two things. And I said this last week, that it all comes down to love and respect. 
love and respect. Ephesians 5.33, Paul said that every one of you in particular love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she respect her husband. So whatever issues are going on in any marriage, it all comes down to that. Either the husband is not loving his wife as he ought or the wife doesn't have a respect for her husband as she ought. And usually they come together. One Christian author wrote a book by that title, Love and Respect, and he referred to it as the crazy cycle. He doesn't love me because I don't respect him. I don't respect him because he doesn't love me. Or you can say that from the other perspective. A lack of love from the husband will lead to a lack of respect from the wife. And a lack of respect from the wife will lead to a lack of love from the husband. You're killing each other. Somebody's got to break the cycle. If that's the the description of your marriage, there's a lack of love and respect. Don't wait for the other person to fix it. You be the one to step out and say, the cycle ends with me. Men, you love your wives, regardless of what you think of her or how she treats you. Wives, you respect your husbands, regardless of his level of love for you. It comes down to love and to respect. But Paul specifically describes the role of the husbands in loving their wives as the way that Christ loves the church. Now, I'm sorry, ladies, but I feel like we have the more difficult job. Yes, the the Bible calls wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord, but the example that he gives of that is that as the church submits to Christ... Now, the church should submit to Christ, but the church isn't perfect, right? But when he gives the command to husbands to love the wives, the example that he gives is husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Now, that's a standard. And men, you need to be held to that standard. You'll never be perfect. But you are to love your wife as Christ loves the church. So Peter says that when we do this, we're conducting ourselves honorably and we're strengthening the witness of the gospel. So let's just look at this verse phrase by phrase. And I promise I'll give some really practical suggestions. Okay, we won't leave this um, in the realm of ideas only. Verse seven, he says, husbands, likewise, stop. Every one of these sections begins that way. To the wives, he says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Like what? Like who? Well, this whole section has been about submission. He commanded that Christians as a whole ought to submit to those governing authorities in their life. The role of the government and whatever authority the Lord places over us. He gave the commandment to servants to be submissive to your masters, whether they're good or bad, you be good to them. He calls Christians to submit to the Lord in suffering. And then he gives us that perfect example of how Jesus submitted to the Father in carrying out his will and bringing salvation in his suffering. And so when he says husbands likewise, he's, he doesn't give a command to be submissive, but all of these people to the government, servants to masters, wives to husbands, all of this submission is as unto the Lord. So husbands, everything that Peter commands you and everything that 
Paul commands and everything that Jesus spoke of in marriage, you carry it out in submission to the Lord. Your your willingness to love your wife well is directly related to your willingness to submit to the leadership and the lordship of God in your life. So he says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. But even that phrase, I think, needs to be broken down. I want to consider this, just dwell with them. Now, that doesn't mean, men, that you share an address, that you get mail at the same place. The word simply means to make a home with them. Now, yeah, you may live at the same address, you may sleep in the same bed, you may get mail at the same location, but it is a temptation not to make a home and to dwell with your wife. Husbands, consider your schedules, what all gets put on there. Work is important. You have to take care of your family. Hobbies are great. It's, it's good to be able to, to do things to, to relax and, and, and enjoy yourself and enjoy God's creation even. Hobbies are fine. But when you look at your work and you look at your, your hobbies and you look at everything else that you put in your life, how much time are you really leaving to dwell with your wife? This requires intentionality. You have to, on purpose... Take something off the calendar so that you can show your wife exactly what she means to you simply by the time that you invest in your home. Unfortunately, it is the norm for us as men to fill our schedules and to find so many things to do. And there are things to do. I don't want to diminish that. But whenever all of your time is spent outside of the home, what does that tell your wife about how you value her? Let me simply leave you this command, even from Peter, dwell with your wife. Make a home with her. Spend time in the home with your wife. But he makes the instruction more specific. He says, dwell with them with understanding. All right, we're going to take a poll here this morning. How many of you men feel like you understand your wife? It's unanimous. Nobody, no man in this room with confidence can raise his hand and say that he understands his wife. Now, listen, listen, we can joke about that and and men can can get together and laugh about it. Yeah, we'll never understand women, will we? Can I tell you something? You're not commanded to understand women. But you are commanded to understand your wife. Dwell with her, dwell with your wife with understanding or in an understanding way. The old King James, I think, gets it right. Dwell with her according to knowledge. Know your wife. Study your wife. Listen, your lifelong pursuit ought to be to know her. Maybe you're getting a late start. That's okay. Start today. But if you want to have a good marriage and you want to honor the Lord in your marriage, you have to spend your time intentionally. And that's why you have to spend time at home because you sure aren't going to figure out, you know, bowling or whatever you do, fishing. 
dwell with your wife, spend time with your wife according to knowledge. Learn what makes her tick. Learn what she loves. Learn what she loves about you and then work on that and make it even better. Learn what she doesn't like about you and work on that. Dwell with your wife in an understanding way, according to knowledge. Get to know her. Spend time with her. Did you know that's in the Bible? There it is. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Now, what's your natural reaction whenever you don't understand? She's, she says something or she's in a mood and you just you don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Let's just be honest. Our natural response is frustration. Perhaps even to the point of anger. How many times have you had a fight in your home simply because it didn't make a lick of sense to you what she was upset about? I know I'm married. It's OK. We're all in the same boat. Listen, the reaction is to get defensive. Yeah, but, or, well, just don't think about that, or let it go. Can I tell you something? They can't do it like we can. That's not an insult. Their brains just don't function the same way. Men and women are different. You're not the same. A man can have a tough day at work, come home and zone out, and just... Let it all go. Now, listen, women don't believe us when we say that we could literally be thinking about nothing at a given moment. I'm not kidding. They don't believe it. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Well, you can't be thinking about nothing. What are you thinking about? You're all quiet over there. Nothing. It's true. We can. But guess what, men? Your wives can't. They don't function that way. One Christian researcher compared it to having windows open on a computer screen. You know, when we come home from work, we can click and it says, you want to close this tab or all tabs? And we can hit all tabs and it all shuts down. But when your wife comes home, or if she's been home all day and things have gone on, it comes down to the end of the day, there's windows open from the whole day. And it, might, it feels like chaos in her mind. And she's going to talk through those things. And you've got to help her and talk to her and spend time with her and let her talk through those issues with you. Even if it don't make a lick of sense to you. You don't understand why she's so upset about that thing that you think is so, so small. It's just a window that's open. You spend time with her. You help her close those windows one at a time. And you know what? If you help her do that, you can sleep a whole lot better. <laughs> Maybe not even stay up so late. Live with your wife with understanding, in an understanding way. Now he says this next, he says, giving honor to the wife. Giving honor to the wife. Some translations say giving respect to the wife. I, don't, I think the word honor is better. Uh, someone said it like this, you know, you respect a, a speed limit sign when you drive by, but you don't pull over and plant flowers around it. You don't tell it how much you appreciate it, how much you love it. You respect it. Most of you. But the word honor carries so much more meaning. Your wife should be treated, listen up ladies, as royalty. 
She is God's gift to you. You honor her. You exalt her. You praise her. Build her up every chance you get. Yeah, you respect her. You respect all that she can do. Praise God for that. And you know it inside. But you know what you have to do? You have to take all the stuff you know in here and actually say it. She needs to hear it. You need to say it. Giving honor to the wife. And he says, as to the weaker vessel. Now, that's not an insult, okay? The two important letters in that verse are E-R, right? Weaker vessel. And honestly, I don't think this has anything to do other than just the physiological difference between men and women. Obviously, women aren't weak. I've seen childbirth a couple of times. That's a big deal. Women are not sissies. They are tough. But there are clear differences in the way that God has made us. That's why you get to open the pickle jar or whatever. God has made them, but not even just physical. But you think about if she's honoring the Lord and being obedient to the first six verses of chapter 3. If you have a wife who in her submission to the Lord has submitted to you as her husband, she has put herself in a position of vulnerability. And you need to honor her in all cases, but especially if you have a godly wife. Listen, I spent a whole sermon last week talking about what it is for a wife to be submissive to her own husband. But can I say this to you husbands? Be a husband that it's easy to submit to. Be a husband that doesn't put her down and say, oh yeah, you're supposed to submit. You got to listen to me. You got to do what I say. No, you honor her. You exalt her. And don't ever take advantage of her being a submissive and God-honoring wife. You honor your wife. And then he says this, And as being heirs together of the grace of life. Being heirs together of the grace of life. We don't realize, just a surface reading, what kind of weight that phrase carries. We rejoice in our salvation, in our own personal relationship with God. I, because of what Jesus has done for me, because Jesus died on the cross and took the punishment for my sins, because He died in my place, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead, so I have been raised from spiritual death, To life in God. My sins have been forgiven. They're all washed away. I have the promise of a home in heaven. I am an heir of the grace of God. I am a joint heir with Christ. Just as sure as Jesus will receive his inheritance on the last day. So will I receive an inheritance from God. And so will you if you're a Christian. Praise God. Amen. Listen men. Rejoice in that. Remember your position that you have in Christ. But listen to this. That woman in the bed next to you at night. That woman who sits across from you at dinner. The one that birthed your children. She is an heir with you of the grace of life. Paul said it like this in Ephesians 5. He said, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Praise God for what Jesus is doing in his church. That he is sanctifying us, that he has washed us by the water of the word, that he's preparing us to be presented to God at the judgment. That's what he's doing for us. Husbands, love your wives like that. Because there will be a day, if you are both Christians, that you will stand before God, but it's not just you. One day, just as you will stand before God, just as you will receive rewards for your service, just as you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, so will you, with Christ, present your wife. And she, that woman beside you this morning, she will be crowned. She will receive honor. She will receive rewards. She will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That's who you're married to. You're married to somebody who's going to be honored by God. Who's going to be exalted by God for her service. Treat her that way. Love her that way. Lead your home that way. Help her. Walk with her in her sanctification, in her walk with the Lord. And you know what? You can't do that if you're not walking with the Lord. Your walk with the Lord is important, but you're also responsible for the others in that home. You walk with your wife that you may present her to Him, just as Christ will present His church. She is an heir together with you of the grace of life. And then he throws in this statement at the end. He says that your prayers may not be hindered. He almost, it's almost like he says it so casually. What? Dwell with your wife with understanding. Give her honor. Recognize that she is an heir together with you of the grace of life. Love her that your prayers may not be hindered. What's the implication there? If you don't do these things, if you don't dwell with her with understanding, if you don't honor her, if you don't see her as a joint heir with you and with Christ, it will hinder your prayers. That's a big deal. I don't know about you, but I need the Lord. Actually, I do know about you. You need the Lord. I am dependent on God's help. I need to be able to call on Him in prayer at a moment's notice because I'm weak. There are things in this church and in my home and in our community that I'm praying for works that I long to see God do. But guess what? If I don't honor my wife, if I don't dwell with her with understanding, 
God will not hear my prayers. And he won't hear yours. Do you see how important this is? This isn't just marriage advice just so you can live a happier life. I promise you, you will live a happier life if you love your wife well. But even more than that, if you don't do these things, it will hinder your own walk with God. It will hinder your prayers. We can't do this on our own, can we? We need God's help. We need the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to spend time in God's Word daily. You need the Bible. You need God in prayer. You need to walk with Him because you can't live this on your own. I can't. Jesus is too perfect an example. But by God's help, He can help us to progress to this kind of love for our wives. Guys, can I give you some practical suggestions? Everybody likes lists, like how to, all right, what do I need to do with this? Uh, I I surveyed some women. Actually, I just asked Kelby um, (laughs) uh, for some suggestions, and I'm thankful that some of these things that she mentioned are things that I thought of too. So we're we're headed in the right direction. So these are um, some things that I've learned. And listen, I'm not an expert uh, we've got, what, nine years under our belt. That's pretty good. I'm thankful for that, but I've got a long ways to go. Um, here's five things, five suggestions, if I can give you something practical to take home with you. Number one, all right, listen, this is for this week. Every evening this week, over dinner or before bed, at some point, simply ask your wife to tell you something about her day. And then listen. Give her your full, undivided attention. And at some point every single day, just simply ask, tell me something about your day. Don't say, how was your day? And when she says, it was fine, say, all right, and then move on. No. We're going for conversation here. Number two. Every morning this week, the sooner or the earlier the better, okay? Pay your wife a sincere compliment. Can I just go ahead and tell you something that I've learned about ladies? Every single day when they put their clothes on, they need to be assured that they look okay. Even the most confident of women need assurance, especially from their husbands. So sometime before breakfast, before you leave for work, look at your wife Straighten the eye and say something like this. You look absolutely beautiful today. There's a man in our church, and I won't call his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But his wife, he and his wife had a tree in their yard and a window in their kitchen. And about the fall of the year, the light would shine through that tree and it would just light up the whole kitchen, that color. That the beautiful red and orange color. And, and every single morning, like clockwork, he said that his wife would come into the kitchen to get her coffee or whatever for the morning, and the sun would shine through that tree into the kitchen, and she would say, that is such a beautiful tree. And he said, told me this, talking about the tree. And I said, okay, now listen. She's going to do this tomorrow. Whenever she says that, and she says, that's such a beautiful tree, you say this, it's not nearly as beautiful as you are, dear. <laughs> 
He didn't get the response he'd hoped for. She was shocked. I think he had to run to the hospital, a heart attack or something. But listen, things like that actually work. You know what? The cornier, the cheesier, the better. Think about the kind of stuff they watch on TV. That stuff is corny. It's predictable. You, you think, I, nobody actually talks like that. Just try it. Okay? It sounds ridiculous. It feels weird. But your wife needs to know how well you think of her. Okay, number three. Listen, pay attention here. Number three. Over this next week, look for an opportunity to do a chore that your wife usually does without her asking you to do it and don't draw any attention to it that you had done it. You start, if you just watch her one day and start making a list of all the things that she does in your home, you would be surprised and think, I don't know how she does it. So think about the things that she usually just takes care of in your home by default and do one thing for her this week. Don't say a word about it, just do it. I promise she'll notice it. She will bring it up, you won't have to. And if she doesn't, it doesn't matter, you didn't do it for praise. Number four, one day this week, pick up something on your way home just to let her know that you thought of her that day. It could be coffee, could be flowers. I've found a good hot spot is uh, Live for Sweets in Pilot Mountain. Just stop in there and buy anything and take it home and it will make her day. It's not really about what you pick up. It's about the intentionality and the thought that you put into it that she was on your mind during the day. All right, last one, number five. This week, on your own initiative, plan a date for you and your wife. I don't care if you've been married for 60 years. This week, plan a date for you and your wife without, listen, without asking a thousand questions about what she wants to do. Just pick a place that you know she likes and Go for it. Wing it. Okay? Listen, I'm telling you, with all these things, it's not about the act itself. It's about the effort and the intentionality and the simple fact that you're thinking about her. Now, listen, these five things are not in the Bible. These are just my suggestions, okay? But the point is this. You have been so loved by Christ. And listen, he didn't love you because of all the good you could do for him or because of how great you are or all that you had to offer. Jesus loved you because of the lousy, filthy, rotten sinner that you are. So you love your wives in return. Not for what she can do for you, not for how great she is, or not because of all the things that she has to offer. You love her even when she's being a lousy, filthy, rotten sinner. Okay? Because Christ loved us, not when we were righteous, not when we were doing good, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you, in the same way, love your wives. Would you stand as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, for the challenge that it is to us. And Lord, we know we can't live this on our own. We need the help of your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, I pray that you would show us and open our eyes to the great love that you have for us. And Lord, as we are overwhelmed and thankful for the love you have for us, Lord, may that spill over into our homes. And may we love our wives in the same way. Lord, I pray that if someone here has not yet experienced your love, that they're still living in their sins, they've never been born again. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to the truth and that they would be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.